This is the Side Hustle Show with Nick Loper, episode 61, quitting a 50K a year job to sell stuff online. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. Hey everybody, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Uh, this is episode 61, quitting a $50,000 a year job to sell stuff online. My guest, Ryan Grant, is going to walk us through how he got started selling online as a side hustle, how he grew that business to the point of quitting his job, and now how he plans to grow and expand it from here. Now, Ryan and I connected on Twitter following Travis Scott's guest post on his uh, Amazon FBA success, and I like this site, onlinesellingexperiment.com. Definitely check it out. Uh, so I invited him on the show to share to share the goods. Um, so speaking of Twitter, um, be sure to check out the Side Hustle Nation blog next week for a full breakdown on, breakdown on how I've grown my Twitter following um, by more than 10x over the course of the last year. And in kind of raising the question whether or not that actually matters. Um, other news and updates before we get into it. One quick five-star iTunes review. This one's coming in from Fit Marriage. He says, always learning something new from these side hustlers. Nick does a great job interviewing his guests and getting to the nuts and bolts of how they're making it happen. That's what it's all about. And we're getting back to a nuts and bolts episode uh, this week after a more um, you know high and high-level one uh, last week with John Acuff. And with that, let's get Ryan uh, on the line. We'll get right into it. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. Now, Ryan Grant is here. Thank you for coming on. He's the uh, creator of OnlineSellingExperiment.com, where he shares his exact financial results from his Amazon and eBay sales. He's a former side hustler who's turned his part-time business into a full-time gig when he quit his job in September 2013. He's made the leap, baby. I love it. So, Ryan, how... How do you get started in this business? How did you get started selling online? So I got, I'm 25 now. I got started back when I was about 18, just finishing up high school. I was, uh, I would just see things at garage sales, thrift stores, um, occasionally at retail stores that just appeared to be quite a bit cheaper than they maybe should be. So I would look them up on eBay or Amazon and just notice a decent price discrepancy. And then I tried out a few of those things and that's kind of when I got started. And then I would say when I really got started was after my first semester of college, I had my textbooks that I needed to sell. And I saw how little the college bookstore was willing to pay me for the books and how much I could get for them if I sold them myself on Amazon. So after Such I sold, a scam, isn't it? I hate the textbook thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, that's, a, that's a real scam. But once <laughs> I sold... <laughs> Once I sold those books and just saw how quickly they sold and it kind of opened my eyes to the opportunity of the Amazon marketplace and just being able to reach millions of buyers with any item I have for sale. So that's when I, I guess I would say my eyes were really opened and then I was doing it part time from about 18 to 24 when I quit my job and then I started full time. So when we're saying part time, how many hours a week are you, are you talking? Sure. So at various points, it would be up to maybe 10 hours a week. At times, it would, be, it would be nothing. It would be just I would have some items listed for sale. I wouldn't make any extra effort to go out and buy additional items. It kind of just depended on 
the t- what else I was working on at the time, how much time I had available, if I felt like going to look for stuff. So it was it was mainly in the zero to ten hours a week range for the bulk of that part time. Because this sounds it sounds very labor intensive. Like the I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to the garage sales. I'm gonna gonna go to the thrift stores and try and and try and find stuff that's that's undervalued, right? Um, mm-hmm. It seems yeah. it seems like that's gonna take I just I'm like I'm never and maybe maybe I'm unique in this. I'm very rarely just like passing by a, a Walmart or like driving around town looking for garage sales like did you did you make a concerted effort to like seek these out and, and get there early to find the best stuff sometimes sometimes i would and it, it absolutely is effort it's and especially right away because you don't know exactly what you're looking for but as you do it more you kind of know what items to look for and that helps but i would make thrift stores i don't really make a concerted effort to go there early or anything but i would i would stop by on a, if i was driving by um it's not, it's, when I do this, it's a bit different than if I'm going to one of these stores for personal use. It's kind of like the thrill of the hunt in trying to find, trying to find a deal to make money off of as opposed to going and looking for some item that I might need or want. Okay, gotcha. No, and I don't, I don't want to make it sound like, hey, you know, we don't like uh, hard work because this is, you know, it's all about the hustle, right? <laughs> right. Um, but it's, this is definitely not a passive income business because there is some labor involved to go out and find these items. And you mentioned real briefly, oh, I didn't know what kind of what kind of products to look for. So can you can you touch on that a little bit? What's um, what have you found the most success with uh, aside from textbooks? Yeah. So lately, um, lately I've been do- doing really well with toys and games, and then I've also sold quite a bit on Amazon in the. Um, health and beauty categories and grocery categories. So those are a little bit unique and not something that people would expect right away. But toys have been my number one category since I started full time. You can sell groceries like sh- you ship them like food. <laughs> yeah, you you can. I guess like canned goods or something. Yeah, it's it's all non perishable items. So some specific or semi specific items are like candy, coffee, um, like salad dressing type stuff condiments, things like that. And then, so one note there is Amazon just changed their approval requirements for the grocery category and then the health and beauty and health and personal care. So you now, if you're a brand new seller, you have to apply to sell in these categories. And if you're, if you were currently selling them and had a good enough metrics, you get to stay in, but that will be a change for new sellers. Okay. Basically you, think it would be, you think it's hard for new people to break in? They just kind of want to, they want to cut down on like you know, I don't know, expired foods or, or stuff that's like, you know, not, uh, you know, not up to the standards on health and beauty. Yeah. I just think there's, they have a decent number of rules and I don't know if they were necessarily being followed by some of the newer people, not just because maybe because they didn't read the rules or I don't know, they just want to really crack down on anything people are going to put on their own skin or body or anything they're going to consume because there's a lot of there's some liability risk there. Definitely. Ultimately, it'll all fall back on uh, on Amazon for sure. Right. So, okay. So, uh, so you go to you go to the store. You're looking for toys and games, for example. Mm-hmm. And what's what's the process look like on a on a scouting mission? Sure. So, let's say usually I'll plan to go to a couple stores on any given trip. Um, but let's say I'm going to a Target because most people have those in their area. So. Mm-hmm. The first stop is basically walk in, grab a cart, and then I'm going to look through most of the clearance end caps. And basically anything, 
on those end caps that has a clearance sticker and I'm looking for stuff that's 50% off, 70% off, things like that. Basically, I'll look those up on a scanning app that I have on my phone that gives me all of the uh, current Amazon price information and use that to basically decide if it's worth buying to resell or not. And then in addition to the clearance, I'll also look at items that the store just has on sale. Sometimes there will be 50% off sales or 25% off sales just because the percentage off doesn't always matter doesn't always correlate to profits on Amazon sometimes items that are regular priced are um, they have enough margin to sell on Amazon other times a 50% off sale Amazon will still be selling it cheaper so there's not really hard and fast rules on the sales and clearance stuff it's kind of scan any for sure scan all the clearance and sales stuff but you can't really just go in and say anything that's 50% off at Target is going to be worth buying to resell you actually have to yeah, because a lot of times Amazon is discounting it already. So what's what's the app that you're using? I'm using an app called ScanPower. It's uh, I also use Profit Bandit as well. Both of these now are subscription based, and you pay Profit Bandit's nine ninety nine a month, and ScanPower is thirty nine ninety nine a month, and it has a little bit better information, a little more reliable, in my opinion. So both of those, you can't. It, 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 I'm not going to say you can't do it without one of these apps, but it would be it would be pretty challenging to have this information quickly without one. Because Amazon has their own free app, but I've heard it's pretty crappy. Yeah, they have one. So they actually just came out with one for iPhone called the Amazon, or I think it's called Seller Mobile by Amazon. I haven't been able to try it yet because I'm an Android user, but it's specifically designed for sellers, and it could be a it could be a really good option, I think, for a lot of people. Okay, if you're an iPhone user. Yeah, if you if you're on the iPhone, right. okay. Um, so you scan the thing, and it says so you're looking specifically for items fifty to seventy percent off. But even then, mm-hmm. not all of those are going to be a hit. Um, right. So you got to see what this is selling for, and what kind of what kind of spread are are you looking for in between your acquisition cost and the and the I guess the going rate on Amazon. So usually, I'm looking for after all profit and fees i'm looking for at least a 50% return on my investment so if i'm spending spending 10 i'm going to probably want to sell it for about 20 and then after all fees and shipping costs i'll make about $5 profit and i guess that's that's what that's like my general guideline but there'll be if if an item I, if there's an item that i think will sell very quickly i will take a lower return on my investment and if on the contrary, if there's an item that will take a very long time to sell, say six months or more than a year, then I would be looking to get a significantly higher return on my investment. Okay. Does the app tell you stuff like like turn rate, like how fast an item is is selling? Yeah. So that w- so the, what they tell you is a sales rank, which is basically a snapshot that shows you how long it's been since the item has last sold. So it's not a guarantee the item will sell again, and it's not necessarily an it's it's a good indication of how long it will take an item to sell again, but it's not completely reliable. So when you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, 
I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Okay, what's a, what's a good sales rank to look for? I'm in most categories, I'm looking for a sales rank of a number less than 100,000. Okay. And uh, if, I'm, if I'm seeing the numbers less than about 25,000, that's things that I expect to sell very quickly. And by very quickly, I mean within probably a couple weeks to, to less than a month, almost for sure. Okay. So. But under 100,000, this thing is going to be out of your inventory within a couple months? Yeah, that's pretty much the timeline I've I've been seeing on most of my items. Okay. The lower the number, the faster it will move in theory. Exactly. Okay. So you mentioned, okay, so, so there's a cost to, uh, to buy these apps. And is there a cost to sign up as a seller on Amazon? You can sign up for free. Um, yeah, you can sign up for free. Okay. But you say that like they're, 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 there's an advantage to doing it not for free? Or they have, a, they have a premium version? Yeah, so when you sign up for free, you get charged an extra dollar fee for every item that you sell. And then there's a professional seller account. Okay, so I'm going to step back here. Um, the, you need a professional seller account to use either Profit, Band or, Profit Bandit or Scan Power. So that's one of the catches. Okay, um, okay. The, the other part is you get charged an extra dollar fee for every item you sell if you're not what's cons- what they call a professional seller. And to be a professional seller, you pay a $40 monthly fee to Amazon. But then that $40 fee per month takes away a $1 fee on each item you sell. So it's a, it's a really good deal once you sell 40 or more items a month because okay, you're so actually you saving use the, money. So if you want to use the apps and you think you're going to sell more than 40 items per month, uh, then it makes mm-hmm. sense to, to do that. And you think, is that, a, is that a, like an attainable thing for somebody doing it part-time? That's, I would say that's definitely attainable for somebody doing it part-time. Okay. Yeah. It's a pretty low, uh, pretty low startup cost. Um, right. just in terms of like the initial setup. Now, I, I guess the other component of the startup cost would be the, would be the inventory. Mm-hmm. Now I will, I will, you know, like you said, I will trade $10 for $15 all day, every day 
you know, for the rest of for the rest of time. Right. Um, but there's a limit to how much of those ten dollar investments I could feasibly make, or that I would be comfortable making, uh, you know, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, how much, I guess, would I don't know? Like, what did what did you start with? Like, you know, doing these garage sales and things. Like, what did you invest um, initially? Yeah. So when I just started, I didn't really set aside a specific amount. Like when I was doing this part time, I was probably realistically, I was probably starting with like a hundred bucks or less on the vast majority of stuff I was buying. And then when I started, when I started full time in September, I set about, I set aside about $5,000 to buy inventory, but that's because I was looking to quickly make a full time income out of this. Okay. At what point, like, I guess at what point do you think, Hey, this might be a feasible, you know, escape, escape path from my, from my job. Like at what point are you like, Hey, I could really make a go of this. Yeah. So I, I, it's probably shortly after I started working, I kind of realized the working world wasn't for me. And then I looked into selling online a bit more and kind of upped my efforts a little bit. So I didn't, I, I, to be perfectly honest, when I quit my job, I didn't, I was not a hundred percent certain this was going to work. I just knew it was something I wanted to try. Okay. And I, uh, what I was, what like was your was, income level from it at that point? From selling online? Yeah. Um, I was probably close to $1,000 a month for about the three to four months in a row before I quit my job. So it was enough to kind of scrape by if I had to, but okay. it was uh, definitely not enough to get by on for an extended period of time. Okay. But then you figure, hey, I've got an extra 40 hours a week to devote to this. I'm going exactly. uh, to make a run at it. Absolutely. And since then, things have been good? Yeah, things have been really good. Um, it's been so I, on my blog, I share all my financial results. And I think my first month, I made like two grand profit. And then November was my second month full time. That was about five grand profit. And oh, then wow. December was just, it kind of blew my mind. But I made almost 9,000 profit in December. Um, and yeah, Chris, Christmas season on Amazon is, is unreal. Yeah, it's out of the If you world. can get in on just, just a tiny piece of it, that's what that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, if you're going to sell online one time of the year, I would look into November and December. Um, but yeah, and then since then, I think the low and then January through now, I think I've been in the four to four to seven thousand dollars profit per month. So it's been it's been pretty solid, and I'm very happy with it. Wow, that's that's awesome. I'm excited for you. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, the, the whole arbitrage thing is kind of fascinating to me because it's like you, you kind of figure, you know, with the, with the internet, right? Like the price is the price is the price. Like I kind of expect, I don't expect local stores to be able to, you know, hold some crazy margin if, if Amazon's not selling it or it's like if they're like, what happens when the stores get in the game? They're like, you know, what happens when, you know, the owner of Target or the, you know, the manager of whatever local thing is like, hey, instead of putting this on Markdown and taking a huge hit on it, why don't we just ship it off to Amazon like these guys coming in scanning all our stuff do? Right. Yeah. So that, that, that is a concern. And I guess for now, I think that's not Target's core business model. They know the value of a shelf, the value of their shelf space. And to them, it's more valuable to just get this stuff out the door and get whatever cash they can for it than have to worry about dealing with the back end fulfillment of Amazon. And honestly, I don't know if Target and some of these other large retailers would want to use the Amazon program because they would be supporting Amazon in making them a good amount of fees and money. And they're one of, I mean, people go into Target, scan items, and then buy it on Amazon because it's cheaper. They're kind of supporting their hugest competitor. 
competitor. It's true. Maybe that wasn't well, maybe that wasn't a great example. <laughs> no, but it's a very it's a very valid question and yeah, I mean, the long-term sustainability of this is it's something I wonder about at times, but I don't see it going away anytime too soon, but it's it's definitely it's definitely something to consider. Yeah, it's like it's a pretty smart business on on Amazon's point from like kind of crowdsourcing their inventory. It's like, hey, we you know we need stuff to sell because we've got a you know a massive massive you know built in audience of buyers. Um, and but how can we get all this inventory? And so it's a cool way for them to to kind of crowdsource and and you know has created this whole cottage industry. People like yourself, hey, creating um, you know creating opportunities for for people to make money on the side to even quit their job doing it. Really really cool stuff. So now what's, um, you know, what's a week, what's a typical week look like for you today? Like how many hours are you putting in? Yeah. So depending on the week and what, what else I'm working on at the time, I'm probably spending on average close to 40 hours a week doing things just related to selling online. And that means going out to stores, retail stores, and basically source scouting items to buy to resell. Okay. And then I'll do that probably two to three days a week. And then I'll, it'll take me another another day or two per week to process those items and get them all shipped off to Amazon. And then in addition to that, I also am I'm sourcing for deals online, looking into other way, other inventory sources and kind of just looking for so like there there is risk in e- retail arbitrage. So my I think my longer term play is to move into more wholesale. So I'm looking into more wholesale liquidation type sources that I can maybe get over and over again or make a bigger buy and kind of kind of up my game instead of buying more smaller items. Okay, cool. I was going to ask, like, is there even any, is there any, um, you know, sustainability and kind of like doing the onesie twosie, like, oh, I found something on an end cap, I'm going to make $5 off it, but like I spent half an hour scanning different things to find it. Now, it's a different story when like somebody gave the example on another show was like toilet wands or something, right? Like I've, mm-hmm. I've found these things, they were selling for $20 and I bought them for two fifty a piece. And so I've just like filled my entire cart with them. It's like that. I get really excited about that. Cause it's like, okay, you know, that right. you know, it multiplies it's, it's, and that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, so what, what would be like, are there any resources you want to share for like kind of finding and kind of stepping up your game and going the wholesale route? Yeah. So I, I just placed my first wholesale order. Um, there's a website called thriftingforprofit.com and they, they also do a podcast and they have quite a few, quite a bit of information just about wholesale and how to get started on wholesale. So that might be a de- decent place to get started. Um, honestly, what, mo- what most people are going to tell you to do is find a product you want to sell, reach out to the manufacturer and say, I want to sell your product. And then it's sounds like the conversion rate for most people is between about 10 to 20% on the number of wholesalers they reach out to. So it's not great, but that's kind of, you kind of just have to get out there, beat the pavement and find items to sell. What's to stop uh, Amazon from doing that same thing? That is a good question. So I think Amazon's business model, in my mind, they like having the inventory risk on someone else. So anytime they can, because they make a good chunk of money on referral fees from every item that they sell. So anytime that they can put the inventory, the risk of the, well, first the upfront cost of paying for the inventory and then the risk of that inventory selling and then the risk of that inventory being returned onto someone else, they will do it. And in exchange, they just collect a commission for when the item sells. So yes, Amazon could do it, 
but the I guess the problem from their, their standpoint is they would need a huge amount of capital, and then they would well, not that they don't have it, but they <laughs> <laughs> they would be assuming a good amount more risk of these items actually selling as well. So they okay, could you, do it. You though. bring up a couple of really good points there. Uh, first is inventory. Uh, so what's your you know what's your garage look like? The stack to yeah. the stack to the rafters with with stuff. Yeah. So the garage. <laughs> I don't have a huge garage. Um, it's pretty full. The house is somewhat taken over as well. The basement's pretty full. Um, it's it's getting a little bit ridiculous. I'm probably in, at the point of looking into a warehouse in the somewhat near future. And then I actually, <laughs> I haven't posted this yet, but I took a video of my house probably a month ago just showing, showing kind of what doing FBA full-time does when you have stuff sitting everywhere and i'm, I'm going to plan on posting that in the somewhat near future so how long do you how long do you sit on the inventory somebody else um made it sound like hey i'm gonna go buy it then i'm gonna ship it off to to amazon pretty much right away but it sounds like or there's some some organization and stuff that has to go on before uh, before it gets sent off yeah in a perfect world you would send it all out right away but the going out and finding the deals is more fun than shipping it in so that's yeah. part of the problem and then Realistically, shipping is the, the the bigger the shipment you do, the more efficient it is. Like the less time you spend boxing your stuff up. So I like to I like to do like two or three days of buying in a row, so I have a good amount to ship in. As that that's more efficient for me than going out and buying and then shipping that that batch in and then gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So do they pay for shipping, or do you have to pay to ship it to them? You pay to ship it in. You do get their UPS rates, so you get a really good shipping rate, but you are paying for it. Okay. But the app the app uh, calculates that into it? Yeah. It, it calculates pretty much everything you need into the equation. Okay. Yeah. Because like, every, every time I go to the post office or whatever, it's like, ah, shipping is expensive. So you know, that's great that you can tap into you know, Amazon's buying power on that stuff and then kind of do some uh, economies of scale and kind of batching, batch processing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Do you see other people in the stores, like as this becomes more and more popular, like do you see other people scanning the the end caps and stuff, trying to do the same thing? I think I've only seen someone specifically doing this probably about two times in the store that I was pretty sure that they were doing the same thing. I probably should have just approached them and just, I don't know, chatted with them about selling online, but... Yeah, you you got got a new uh, website reader out of the whole deal. Yeah, I probably should have. But then, uh, yeah, I should (laughs) have. Hindsight's 20-20. So yeah, that's that's one fear I have in this business is you know when at what point does it get overplayed like you know and and maybe we're doing doing it a disservice by by talking about it on a podcast, um, but that's it's an interesting opportunity in that like the more people that are into it, the harder it becomes to source stuff, right? Yeah, the low yeah because I would say like the the clearance items are the low hanging fruit in in this business. So yeah, the more people more people looking for them, the harder it's going to be to find them, but the more you do this, the more opportunities you find. Because there's there's regular priced items that I buy regularly and am able to sell for profits. And and then so the other piece of this puzzle is the number of buyers on Amazon is increasing every day as well. Maybe not at a proportionate rate to the number of sellers, but the Amazon's by no means reached its peak in terms of buyers. So there the demand is only increasing for for the items on Amazon, which is good, which is a good thing, but yeah, I, it's pretty easy to get started in low barrier to entry. So that is somewhat of a concern, but I don't know. I, from what I've seen so far, the deals are still out there, and it's going to take it's going to take a decent amount of time before the 
they dry up. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Um, the other point you brought up uh, a moment ago was um, after inventory was regard to returns. Mm-hmm. So you're, um, so people buy through Amazon, but does it say like you know Ryan's you know Ryan's wholesaling company or something like on the box or what? How does it how does how does it appear to the customer and then what happens when they want to return something? Sure. So to the customer, it would show up in a box exactly the same as if they bought it from Amazon.com themselves. Inside, there would be a packing slip that says the item they bought, and that's where it would say my store name on there. Okay. If they want to return it, though, they just tell Amazon, hey, I want to return this. Amazon will send them, depending on the reason for the return, they'll either send them a prepaid shipping label, which will get billed to you, I believe, and then the... Otherwise, they'll just the customer will pay for the return if they didn't like it or something like that, and then you get the item back, and you get charged a small fee for the return, and the customer gets refunded out of your account. So it's basically the same. It's essentially the same as if you shipped the item to the customer directly to the customer. They want to return it, and they send it back to you. It's just Amazon is the gatekeeper for if they can re- return it or not. But they send it back to the to the warehouse. They don't send it back to your garage. Yeah, they send it back to the warehouse, and then Amazon will check it for you to see if it's possible to sell it again. And then if it is, they'll just put it right back into your inventory. If not, they will tell you you have to get it sent back to you, which costs 50 cents. Oh, okay. So. Not terrible. What, what kind of, um, do you have any data or percentages on like what gets returned? Yeah, my return rates have been about between 2 and 2.5%. Oh, really, really low. Okay. Yeah, it's... People kind of worry about it, but yeah, it's been a very, very small percentage, and most of those returns I've been able to sell again and, and still at a profitable price. So I, I, I wouldn't let returns deter anybody from this. Okay, now that's that's one concern over like you know running a drop shipping business or anything. It's like oh, I don't want to deal with the the headache of the returns and and that stuff or any kind of e-commerce thing. Where it's like well, what happens when I deal with this? Um, but that's a really you know really low percentage. So that's that's cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so I guess the first step would be you know sign up for your seller account, get the app, um, either the either the Profit Bandit app or the uh, Scan Power app. Scan Power is, it must be very good; it's four times the price. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Or take or just take a take a spin with the uh, you know Amazon Free app if you're on iPhone. Yeah, and you could use so if you're on Android, you could use the Amazon app that's designed for buying. It's just called Amazon Mobile. So. It w- it's not quite as convenient, but you can get to all of the information you would need using that, and it's free. Okay, cool. So if people want to, uh, I guess, I guess if you only had an hour a week, like when you think back to when you're doing this part time, mm-hmm. um, how how do you spend that time to really to make this thing work and make it grow? Yeah, so I would start by like you're saying, I would get an app. I pro- I wouldn't buy Profit Bandit or Scan Power to start. I would either use the the seller mobile app if you're on iPhone or an Amazon mobile app that's designed for buying if you're on Android. But if I just had an hour a week, I would probably go into whatever store is closest to me, be that a thrift store, a retail store like Target, Walmart, and just look for anything that you think might have value. And if it's a retail store, I would go to the clearance sections and just scan those items and find what find whatever you can to sell. So for me, if it was me, I would spend that full hour that you have week one looking for items and hopefully you do find a few. And then if you have enough to ship in, say you have more than 15 items, I would send those in to Amazon FBA. If you don't yet, I would spend the hour the following week looking for more items to sell. And then once that has got you 15, 20 items, something like that, I would send those in to Amazon using your one hour a week 
the following week. So I, if you, I would say if you went out to the stores for two weeks in a row and spent an hour each time, you could probably find a few items to resell and you could probably get to the point of sending in a box. And I would try to send in a box as, as kind of as early as possible because then you can see if items are going to sell. And if you see some things sell, it kind of gets you some momentum. Yeah, I think that's that's really exciting to have uh, to be making sales. Like that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's fun once once money starts showing up. Does it have to be like branded merchandise? I guess I guess you know, I'm still trying to think of like what trying to find what I would uh, what I would scan in the store. Like if it's just some no name thing, like it's got to be it's got to have a barcode. It's got to be a, um, you know something searchable. I guess. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm going to Target. I mean, ideally, yeah, it's a name brand. I see Fisher Price. I see a board game like Monopoly or something like that at a at a board, at a very low price. Those are going to catch my eye and something that's going to likely come with in the cart. Um, the anything that you recognize, I would definitely scan. And it it is hard going into the store the first time and just saying, "Hey, I'm going to buy something to resell," because you you don't know exactly what you're doing, but really all you're doing is scanning items and comparing the price to online and it's it's not rocket science and you kind of just have to try it out and odds are you're going to find something someone someone compared it to cold calling like maybe you only have a one percent or two percent you know take rate but you know Mm -hmm. it it can be rewarding after the after the hustle do you find yourself like i typically will scan you know what 25 50 items 100 items before i get a hit or are you getting better like over time do you get better at knowing what to scan yeah I like that comparison to cold calling, but uh, it's yeah, far far less awkward, far less painful than you know <laughs> doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, you don't hear the click on the other end of the line. Um, so I would say when I was first starting off, I would probably scan I don't know forty or fifty items for every every thing that I would buy. Now I know a little bit more what I'm looking for, so it's probably more like I buy one out of every ten to fifteen things that I scan. And certain items I don't even need to scan anymore. I just know if I see them at a certain price, I can buy them. Okay. So yeah, there's definitely you definitely learn as you go along, and you get quite a bit more efficient. Okay. No, that's really good. I just wanted to bring that up because I want people to go through there and you know scan the first you know five things and be like, give up. This is not for me. This is not working. This is garbage. There's nothing. There's nothing to sell here. Uh, so it might <laughs> right. just you know that it might take a, a few uh, more or more than a few tries to to get it all going. Definitely. Yeah. Stay persistent. Awesome, Ryan. Thanks so much for for coming on the show and uh, and sharing all this wisdom. This is, like I said, just a fascinating uh, business model, and and so excited that you've been able to make it a, a full time business. Everyone, check him out at onlinesellingexperiment.com. Check out all the uh, you know the monthly reports. Really, really in deep uh, in depth stuff there. And Ryan, we'll wrap up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me, Nick. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so my my number one tip for the Side Hustle Nation is about your mindset. So if there's something that you want to do, don't listen to, don't list reasons why something can't, can't work. Ask yourself, how can I make this happen? So most people's reaction when they say, hey, I want to sell online or hey, I want to start this new business. I want to create this product. Their gut reaction is to list reaction or reasons why something won't work. Instead, I think a better way to do it is to ask yourself, how can I make this happen? And often when I look at things in this way, it opens up a lot of possibilities. I love it. Thanks so much, Ryan. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I'll talk to you later. 
I'm so glad that Ryan brought up that mindset question at the end of the call. Instead of thinking, why won't this work? Think, what can I do to make it work? How can I make this happen? How can I make this a reality? And I don't know. I don't have the answer. But I, I think it's an excellent question to start from. Maybe you end up working backwards from the end goal until you have that very first step, that very next step that you need to take. Um, you now, if you want to be selling $1,000 uh, a month online, that means you're first going to have to sell 100, which means you're first going to have to sell 10, which means you're going to have to create a seller account, download the app, go scouting for products to sell. Like, let's boil it down and, and hustle on. That's what we do. So thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful to have the chance to spend some time with you each week. Um, so until next time, let's go out there, make something happen, and I'll see you next week in another edition of the Side Hustle Show. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 